Welcome to the Super Sentai Buddies. This is episode two of You Only Live Man Twice, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Choju Sentai Live Man. Every week we watch an episode of the show and watch and share our thoughts with you, the listeners. My name is Matt J. With me, as always, is my co-host and buddy, Mark. Mark, how you doing today, bud? I am doing good. I'm cold. I mean, I think everyone in the Northeast is cold, but my podcast studio in our new home is in the only room in our house that doesn't have a heating vent oh no so we keep up our house has two floors we keep the bottom floor well heated because the all the bedrooms we use are down there the living room the bathroom whatever we keep the upper floor pretty cold so that we don't have to pay extra to heat it right because we don't oh use yeah it much. absolutely it's guest rooms in the library so we, you know, we turn the heat on when people are coming to visit, but otherwise we keep it at like, you know, a chill 57 or so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My podcast studio is on that floor. So not only is just the heat not on <laughs> up here, there's no heat. So I can't even like turn the heater on to, to warm things up, to jack the thermostat up. There's, I close the door so I don't, you know, wake up my whole house while I'm podcasting. So all the doors are shut. There's not even any way to get heat in if I wanted to. I've just got this little like ceramic <laughs> heater down by my feet. No, I am lucky because uh we are recording this on Monday evening and the weather in Cleveland broke this morning. So like it was one and two degrees all weekend and now <laughs> right. it's like thirty eight and it's gonna be fifty two on Thursday. Nice. I think we are a day behind you on that. I believe it's supposed to warm up tomorrow. Yeah, so that is exciting. Um what is also <laughs> exciting, Mark, is watching another episode of Choju Sentai Live Man. Uh it has been a while. <laughs> when I <laughs> yeah, said in the opening I... that Every week we do this, that's just because that's how the script reads, and I did not change the entire <laughs> script. Every week that we do the Super Sentai Buddies, this is what we do, but it's been, what, six, seven months? I don't know, man. I've just been watching episode one every week, waiting for episode two, because that's what <laughs> the script says. Um, that's not true. I had to the... really refresh my memory on what was going on. Did you re-watch episode one? No, I wanted to. I was kind of running short on time today. So I went to uh, the Sentai Wiki page and reread the description of episode one. Okay, I I watched maybe like five minutes of it by fast forwarding the whole way through to just try to remember yeah. like who these people are and why they're so mad at each other. <laughs> Uh, but today we are watching, finally, the second episode of Live, Live Man. It is called Three Powers Sworn to Life. But before we get into that, uh, shining in the heavens, there are five stars. What mark is our first star of the week? I think first star of the week, and maybe I suppose it's a black hole instead of a star, is that apparently, like, the Black Plague has struck Dave's family. Oh, yeah, it is pretty bad. Um, like, they'll be fine. They've just all got, like, a fever. Um, right, which but... is why we are here doing this. <laughs> yeah, and actually, my, my sister, who lives with me, has also gotten whatever it is that they have. So I am sitting in my room, <laughs> away from her, hoping that it just sort of passes <laughs> me by. You feel the tendrils of death reaching out for you? 
No, I, I'm refusing to acknowledge the possibility. <laughs> it is. So when your kid is sick, it's always a rough thing, especially when they're young, because you can't mm. really explain to them what's going on. You can't tell them, like, just hang in there. It'll be better. So so mentally, it's rough, but it's also just physically gross. Like little kids are gross when they're sick, even if oh, they're yes. not throwing up or snotty or whatever. They're just sweaty. They're drooly like kids are just gross factories. And when they get sick, it ratchets up by like 10. Yeah, like, I get pretty gross when I'm sick, and I'm a grown man who knows I'm not supposed to be doing those things. Exactly. I can't imagine having two of them at the same time. Like, twins, sick twins, just all of that doubled. It it just sounds like the worst. <laughs> just the worst. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right. I think you hit the nail on the head. Um so yeah, that is that is why we are doing this this week. Um, we will be back to our regularly scheduled programming next week with episode what eleven? Eleven. O yeah, you are. That puts you almost twenty five percent of the way through O Ranger because I think it's a slightly shorter oh, season yeah, run. That's right. So you are closing uh, in on the quarter pole, which seems. Yeah, uh, but that'll be next week. Uh, we will be uh, doing this this week. Um, and I think it's going to be exciting. I really liked the first episode of this show. I'd kind of forgotten how good it was until I sat down to watch it again today. Yeah, I, me too. We'll get into it, obviously, on the other side of this segment. But I agree with you. It's just so much fun. Before, we, before I get into talking about how awesome Live Man is, though, let me hook us back into our segment. Matt, what is star number two this week? Mark, our second star of the week is that uh, so we're, we're into 2018 now, right? Right. Uh, the, the year of crushing it. Um, <laughs> and I have gotten a few things for Christmas that I think are really going to help me, like, change my game a little bit. Ooh, okay, okay. And they are two... The, the, the way I'm describing it in conversation is that I am doing my best to live that Jetsons life. <laughs> <laughs> I have heard you say this at least twice, I think, uh, in the last uh, week or two. So I, for Christmas, I got two things. Well, I got more than two things for Christmas. Mm -hmm. um, but two of the things I got for Christmas were a teapot alarm clock, uh, <laughs> which is an alarm clock that has like a, essentially like an electric kettle inside of it. Okay. All right. And like a little like teapot reservoir that fits into the side of it. So <laughs> you set your alarm clock in the morning and when... Like, it boils the water, the water goes into the pot, and then the alarm goes off, and you already have tea? Nice. That's fantastic. And it's, very Jetson-y, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I wake up, and my alarm clock has already made me a hot beverage. It's very good. <laughs> what, uh, uh, before we the second one, just out of curiosity, what is your go-to breakfast tea? Uh, I have been doing a Twinnings breakfast tea, uh, just like the black uh, tea. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. I... I prefer black tea to green tea, given my druthers. Mm -hmm. um, Especially but, in the uh, morning. Yeah. But in the, when I'm at work, I'm usually drinking green tea because I don't like to like bring in a half a gallon of milk to the office. And I <laughs> right. always drink my black tea with milk and sugar. So green tea is my sort of easy, like, drink it all day office tea. But black breakfast tea is my morning, like, get up and go tea. I have also, semi-recently subscribed to one of those, you know, those things where you send people money and they send you a box full of garbage every month? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So I've done one of those garbage box things. <laughs> I, I, I held off for a long time and finally succumbed to the trend. 
but what it is is a company that mails me four different types of loose leaf tea every month. Oh. It's pretty fun. A lot of green yeah. teas in there, which is what made me think of it. A lot of green teas in there. The, the other reason I do black tea in the morning is because to actually get it done, I have to not only get out of bed to pour the tea, because I have like my mug mm-hmm. and tea bag sitting by the alarm clock. Not only do I have to get out of bed to do that, I also then, like, five minutes later have to walk to the kitchen to pour milk into the mug. And by (laughs) that point, like, I'm well and fully out of bed. Like, it it really does take an alarm clock, a hot beverage, and a walk to the kitchen (laughs) to, like, really cement the fact that I'm awake. So now I've got that going on, which is very exciting. The other half of the Jetsons' life that I'm trying to lead is that my sister got me these two, like, smart plugs, like, Wi-Fi-enabled like plugs for the wall. Oh yeah, like that smart home business. Yeah. And so what I've done is I have plugged a number of the lamps in my apartment into these plugs. Okay. And then I have the app that manages those plugs connected to the location services on my phone via a separate app called If This Then That. So when my phone recognizes that I've left the house, it cuts off power to those plugs and just turns all the lights off. Nice. And then when I, like, as I am parking my car and pulling into the street, it recognizes that I'm back in the area and it turns my lights back on. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it's it's the best, like, it's nothing, right? Like, it's a complete, like, worst, worthless doodad. I know right. how to turn my lights off and on. I've been doing <laughs> it my whole life. But it's just enough of, like, a fancy future thing that I'm really into it. (laughs) Just out of curiosity, how does your schedule sync up with... You mentioned your sister has been staying with you. Are there ever Mm -hmm. times where you, like, accidentally shut the lights out on her because you have left the house? (laughs) Uh, The buttons, thankfully, have a manual toggle button. Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, But it absolutely would, because actually the TV is plugged into the same... Thing as uh, one of the lamps because they're okay. on the power strip. And so what would actually happen is if she was home watching a movie and I just left, it would turn the TV off. <laughs> Which probably isn't the best. We should probably rearrange those. But like, I don't know, it doesn't matter to me. They're never doing it when I'm here. That's the whole point. But I, I should be careful because I am like, I'm like a half step away from buying like a bunch of those Philips Hue bulbs and making weird programs that, like, flash the lights red when my Domino's app tells me that the pizza's on the way. Oh, man, yeah. I, I I understand that appeal. I look at those things longingly every time I'm in, like, a Best Buy or a Target. Yeah. If they weren't, like, $50 per light bulb, I would already have them all. <laughs> uh, anyway, so that is our second Star of the Week. Mark, what is our third Star of the Week? Third star of the week is something I have taken to referring to as the Zelda Triforce. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that is, so you know, we've talked about it at length. I have been playing uh, Breath of the Wild off and on for like the last, I don't know, how long has it been a game? Seven months? Something like that, yeah. It's it's a game that you can just go back to. Like, just I have mm-hmm. 20 minutes, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to play some Zelda. My wife Especially has Especially been... you can like pick it up and carry it around with you. Right, it's amazing. It's fantastic. My wife has been doing the same thing. My daughter also playing the heck out of that game, which is tremendous. Nice. But that's a, that's that's a that that's a well-established fact. That's not what this star is. So my wife is is 
She's beaten all of the Guardian Beasts. She's at the stage where she could be fighting Ganon, but instead she's just like running around collecting all them shrines and all of mm-hmm. the DLC content and all of that good stuff. Oh, so that she's DLC still, content is very good. It is. It's good. So she is still actively engaged in Breath of the Wild. Over uh, the Christmas holidays, we hooked up an old GameCube and briefly started playing Wind Waker together. Oh. Uh, so we will play video games separate from each other, but we also will play video games together. If you grew up with a sibling, I know you and Dave did this, like you learned mm-hmm. to play video games vicariously, right? Like it's, you can kind of watch and play. I feel like especially the Zelda series. Very much so. I My younger brother played Ocarina of Time probably 80%. Like when we, what I consider playing Ocarina of Time is actually 80% watching my brother play it. Yeah, actually, I remember my freshman year of college, like, the way that I played, uh, there there were those three great GameCube games that were all out around the same time, Metroid Prime, Mm -hmm. Legend of Zelda Wind Waker, and uh, Mario Sunshine. Yeah. And I remember, like, I played all three, because I didn't have them, I played all three of those in your room with you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that was a good time. That was. Very I'm not sure times. there's ever been, although the Switch is pretty close, honestly, there's ever been kind of a triumvirate of games that hit that close together that were that great. Oh, yeah. I mean, if there was a Metroid game this year, like, it would have hit again because we got the Zelda and Mario. And honestly, yeah. those Zelda and Mario games are so good that it kind of makes up for the fact that there wasn't <laughs> a third part of that yeah. grouping. Well, I'll tell you, and I know this is not the star, that ridiculous Mario and Rabbids game is incredible it's a oh, re- that has been the third leg that. for me <laughs> but anyway so we hooked up an old gamecube over the christmas break threw in wind waker played it for like half an hour uh, and my wife and i were talking so the last time we had kind of dabbled in wind waker was on the wii u mm-hmm. which we no longer have because we didn't hang on to it we should have we didn't uh, oh you had that so hd for version yeah about half an hour and said, boy, this just, it, I mean, it's a great game, and it holds up very well, but the HV, HD version really spoils you, right? It, it mm-hmm. really, it's, a, it's, a, it's cleaner, it's bigger, and very specifically, the ability to have the map down on that gamepad. Oh, absolutely, especially the, in the dungeons. So, after about half an hour of playing the GameCube, we somehow talked ourselves into going to GameStop and buying a used <laughs> Wii U so that we could play <laughs> HD Wind Waker. Oh, so so now we're playing that together. We've we were uh, 10, 15 hours in maybe. My daughter is also playing that, by the way, which is phenomenally fun to watch. Oh, it's so a, it's a beautiful game. And I feel like the the look of Wind Waker would be very appealing to a kid. Yeah, it really is. And, and there's a lot of things she recognizes. Right. So like she got super excited when uh, when she ran into the great Deku tree. The Karaks mm-hmm. have been a joy oh, for yeah, her. Oh, yeah, because she's getting it all backwards, really, right? Yeah, exactly. So there's a lot of, like, chews. They look different, but she, her brain put together that it was the same thing, mm-hmm. which has been real fun. So we're like I said, Holly and I are maybe 10, 15 hours into a joint game of that. We're kind of swapping back and forth, taking turns, progressing through it together. Today, my wife was stuck at home all day uh, because she was waiting on a service person to call. Did the service person ever call? Around 5 p.m., I think 5.30 is when they showed up. 
Okay. And their, their service window was eight to noon, so they weren't too far off. <laughs> but consequently, Holly couldn't leave. She had to stay in the house all day because mm-hmm. you have to be there when the service person shows up. So probably around nine or so in the morning, she sent me a message and said, I'm sort of annoyed because I want to play Wind Waker and you're not home. And we're playing it together, so she can't progress without me. So what ended up happening, I said, well, you know, you could play Breath of the Wild. But she's been doing a lot of that. Uh, she's kind of been enjoying the change up. So what ended up happening is she has now started playing Twilight Princess HD on her <laughs> own. So now that lady is rocking three different Zelda games all at the same time. And they're all really good. That is amazing. It's just the, there's just Zelda on all the time. Just hey, to man, walk into my house, there's Zelda. You don't know which one, but it's there. It, it's going to be there. That is amazing. <laughs> so that was a lot of, of talking for Star 3. I apologize. What is our fourth star this week? Uh, fourth, fourth star is shorter. Um, you know how <laughs> I said that it was cold out the other day? Yes. Like very cold out? I, it, like since it had also been snowy, um, the roads were like incredibly salty. And since I once had a car get destroyed by like salt corrosion... <laughs> Um, I now, I'm very sort of, like, particular about how often I take my car through the car wash during winter, because I don't yeah, want my car enough. to, like, literally dissolve again. <laughs> so, I was driving, I, I went out to, for my lunch break, and I was driving back to the office, and I drive past this car wash on my way back, and I thought, oh, this will be a great idea. It's not, like, it's not one of the ones with, like, the spinning wipers, it's one of the ones that's, like, the laser wash where the... The wand circles your car and sprays it down a bunch of times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, okay, I've got a few minutes. I'll pull in and I'll do that. That'll be great. So I pull in. Here's what I forgot, though, is that that's hot water. And it was like one degree out. (laughs) And so I pull into the little chamber. But the difference between the temperature of the water and the temperature of the air was such that you could not see outside of the car because it had turned into like this really dense mist. And so I was trying to find the spot where like you stop the car, like the sensor, so that the wand doesn't just like wang into your hood. Um (laughs) And I, I managed to do that, okay. And then it started spraying my water, my car down with water, at which point I remembered, like, oh, right, it's very cold, and this is water, and it's like a fine <laughs> mist, and I was right. just watching this thing spray ice onto my car. <laughs> That's like, amazing. Like clean, soapy, waxy ice. <laughs> Did it now actually eventually... manage to remove any of the salt? It did, yeah, because it was hot water. So, like, once... Once okay. that, like, first go-around happened, it did manage to, like, melt it all off. And actually, I think right. it did a very good job. And I thought I had sort of dodged a bullet. <laughs> and then the next day, I went to go, like, toss something in the backseat of my car and realized that the, the side effect of this is that that water had just poured, like in and around the cracks of all my doors. Right. So all my door, like my, the, my driver's side door was fine because I'd opened it from the inside and was able to sort of like give it a push. Uh, and it hadn't like, the ice hadn't really locked in yet. But all uh. of my, like both of my back doors were completely frozen shut. So I had to climb in through my front seat, like w- wiggle my way around to the back and just like, sh- like really shove my shoulder into the doors to pop them both open. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's uh, that was my. I guess it's not really a commute update, but uh, 
in my car update. I think you have the fifth star, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, Another short one. So this is the first episode that we have recorded since New Year's. Um, Yeah. So the the last one, I think, came out in uh, 2018. But this is the first one we're recording in 2018. And so we had, uh, my sister and I had our parents over for uh, New Year's Eve. Because they were in town and, you know, we were just hanging out. And the problem with New Year's Eve as a millennial is the same problem with the Olympics, which is that, like, I only ever actually want to watch the TV in my apartment. Like, like the actual, like, you know, from a network television station stuff. Like, one or two times a year, depending. (laughs) Like, I want to do it on New Year's and I want to watch the Olympics. And if it's not an Olympic year, I kind of only want to watch it on New Year's to watch the ball drop. Yeah, Um, absolutely. But you can't. Like, there's no way to really do it unless you have (laughs) some sort of thing. And so what I was trying to do was get, like, a live stream of it on, like, a a live YouTube channel. And then airplay that to my Apple TV to have it showing on the screen. But I was (laughs) messing around with it so much. I finally found one. And it was definitely, like, it was not the A stage. This was, like, the C stage. This was, like... (laughs) This was the Planet Fitness stage, right. not the one in Times Square, but the one like down the block where you can still sort of <laughs> see the ball drop, but it's not like really front and center. Um, and so I'm sitting there and we finally get it up and I look at the countdown and it says like a minute 30 to go. And I'm like, cool, we just made it. And right, as I'm doing time. this... I hear the New Year's Eve party from my upstairs neighbors as everyone starts to count down because (laughs) the weird version that I had gotten was so bad and laggy that we almost missed New Year's. We would have just been like counting down at like (laughs) 12.02. So we all just look at the clock, which is what we should have done to begin with. Like I have a clock. We realize that they're counting correctly. We sort of get in the spirit of things somewhere around five or six. Uh, and that is how we run in the new year. So That's uh, great. Yeah. Uh, so today, as I said, we're watching episode two of Choju Sentai Live Man called Three Powers Sworn to Life. Uh, we're going to go watch that and we'll be right back. <laughs> All right, welcome back. So we just finished watching episode two of Live Man, and I forgot how crazy intense that show is. <laughs> yeah, man, it comes right out of the gate. And we had left off basically in the middle of like citywide destruction. Yeah, most and of like the Science Academy island had been destroyed, and almost everyone was dead. Yeah, so the premise of this show initially, when you're watching episode one, is it's kind of built on like the great hope and bright future of the greatest young minds of the world, right? It's this sort of high-tech, almost science utopia island where there's this academy dedicated to uh, looking forward to futurism, to all of that great stuff. They're building, like, spaceships and all. It's, it's, It's very hopeful. The first 10, 15 minutes of the first episode, and then it gets really bleak really quick when they just raise that thing to the ground. Oh, yeah. Looks like three of the people, three of those students who are like so obviously evil that they could have told like 
you know, I feel like they should have been able to tell that those three were evil during the admissions process. Yeah. Um, turned on the rest of the island, like left to go join an evil space empire and had gotten transformed into members of the the brain army, I think. Yes, something very much like that. So they have a handful of different names. These three bad guys who are, I think, professors? Is that right? Or at least they're going by professors now? They're going by doctor. Whatever. Doctor, that's what it was. But they also have like a turd. So they're, they all have names like there's Kenji, who is also Dr. Kemp. That's his like his new bad guy name. He went to uh-huh. space and met a a space Michael Jackson who made him into a special <laughs> bad guy. So that's Dr. Kemp. But then he's also beautiful Beast Kemp. So they all have kind of multiple iterations of themselves now. Yes. Um, and they all have like superpowers. Like the 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 female of that trio is like made out of guns. She's got yeah. like gun hands and gun fingers and gun elbows and stuff. Yeah, Rui or something like that. Um, I I apologize because I'm probably gonna end up paying, playing sort of fast and loose with the names of these characters uh, <laughs> because I like they don't they use the names a lot in the first episode and then just kind of forgot this episode so I don't know what these people are called because I have <laughs> changed notebooks since we did the last episode so I don't have it written down in handy. We've got Yasuki who is Red Falcon, okay. Joe who is Yellow Lion, and okay. Gumi who is Blue Dolphin. And then there is Kenji slash Dr. Kemp, mm-hmm. Rui slash Dr. Mazenda, and Go slash Dr. Oblar. And if memory serving, Go and Joe were good buddies prior to this. So there's some like extra tension between those two. Okay. And then the Dr... Um, the the actual like scientist <laughs> right. who taught all of these people. His name is Doctor Hoshi. Hoshi. Uh, so and we are going to be talking a lot about Doctor Hoshi this episode. Yeah, Doctor Hoshi gets a lot of play. Doctor Hoshi is sort of the Doctor Light of this universe. So he's the he's the lead Doctor slash principal of Science Island. He's yes. the good Doctor. And then the Dr. Wiley of this show is Great Professor Bias, who's a super genius scientist guy in outer space. We still don't really know his his backstory. He's sort of like a crab. Yeah, Yeah. that's him. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so we start off, and the land lion, which is the big yellow robot lion, had showed up at the end of episode one, and it was running all over the place. We are also now introduced to Aqua Dolphin and Jet Falcon. And the thing about these is that Land Lion looks exactly like a lion. Like, it's it sure a does. very good model of a lion. Jet Falcon looks sort of like something we would have seen in Jetman, right? Like, it's mostly a plane, but it's got sort of like a bird motif. Yeah, absolutely. Aqua Dolphin, on the other hand. <laughs> I... Okay. So back in the day when they were making these robots, because this is this show was from 88, 89, right? So this is like a few years prior to when we were watching it, um, you know, in previous seasons. And the robot combinations are a little rougher. 
And so instead of having separate robots, each of which are a single foot or whatever, um, the, they were always more vehicle-based. I think this one might have actually been the first season that had animal-themed robots. Okay, okay. But but Aqua Dolphin, you can tell, is a very transitional robot. Like, <laughs> it is, it's basically two science train engines sort of that are right next to each other but are mostly underwater yeah does that make sense that yeah you're right they're kind of very vaguely dolphin shaped like they're rounded right and and the reason for this is that these are the legs of the giant robot when they finally combine (laughs) right so you need to have sort of like two long straight skinny (laughs) things that you can sort of like bend up and put on the bottom of this robot toy but the result is something that is only like you have to be very generous to see the idea of a dolphin in that thing yeah it it doesn't it does not come through cleanly at all so it is worth noting maybe at this point that these robots these special ships have been designed kind of in the interim by Science Island with the specific purpose of defending Science Island. Yes. So there was a moment a few years ago where our team of three heroes used to be a team of five heroes. And yeah, and, the, and two of those people were killed by the betrayal the be, the, be, the betrayal students? Yeah, sure, yeah. the betrayal students <laughs> yeah. uh, as they were leaving. Yeah, that's that is the point where this show got dark. Like that's where the turn happened. And when those two were killed, Science Island sort of realized, oh, there's a large external, very dangerous threat, and they started kind of gearing up, right? So Science Island started investing in defense tools. I don't know, whatever. Sort of I I I think it's it's partially that, and it's partially that, like, the three students who are, like, Red Falcon, Yellow Lion, and Blue Dolphin, they perfected the science they were working on before, designed the, like, the Super Sentai suits, basically, yeah, and then yeah, also right. built these giant robots as, like, yeah. their thesis project, I guess, maybe? Because <laughs> they <laughs> were still nerd. definitely students. So... At the point where this show starts, when Aqua Dolphin and Jet Falcon emerge. Jet Falcon? Red Falcon? Uh, Jet Falcon. Jet Falcon. The dude is Red Falcon, the robot is Jet Falcon. Right. There is a fleet of kind of scorpion, dragonfly-shaped, like, space fighters still buzzing around this island. The opening five minutes or, or so of this show... It's kind of a space dog fight, and it's real good. It's very good, especially when you consider that like these are all just little miniatures that they are like flying around on strings. It it looks super good. It do- here's the thing. So Ivy, my six year old, has been binging through uh, Dino Force, Dino Super Force. Just finished Ninja Steel, and is now watching. Oh, what's oh, the wow. mystic? What's the mystic one? Um, mystic Force. Mystic, mystic Force. It's the one that like was that. the Sentai of it is Magic Ranger. Yes. So, so that one's a little bit older, but she 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 had otherwise been watching a lot of the the newest shows. Hmm. 
uh, and I say binging. She's you know she's six year old. She's not. She doesn't have the time or space to watch like seven hours at a go. But you know, she, right, sure. she's been on a Power Rangers kick for a while. So I've been seeing a good bit of Power Rangers in my house, and the newer ones are very, as I'm sure you know, CGI driven. Mm-hmm. So the robots and things are very computer animated, and in some ways, this old analog effect works better for me. It definitely and I know it feels good. Yeah, and I know it's just practical models and whatever, but the CGI thing, because the, you know they're not investing any more money than they need to in making these programs, still it, it's it it has not caught up. It is still in the uncanny valley, and so it really takes me a grown up out of the show. Whereas the robots is just like, all right, well that's you know they're just little models. It's great. Yeah, it's fun. Um, the the one thing I love about practical models, especially in something like this where there's a lot of fire, is that like the the ripples in water and the size of like a flame are things that even if all the other miniatures next to it are perfect, like mm-hmm. nothing makes something look more like a miniature than it being next to fire because you can't miniaturize fire. You can just have less of it. <laughs> right. And so seeing like <laughs> yeah. a very detailed model next to a flame, let's see, like, oh, that's approximately six inches long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Anyway, so they, they, they chase off these fighter jets, right? And they all land and sort of untransform, and they're back in their sort of civilian garb. And right. uh, what's her name? Blue Dolphin? Megumi? Megumi. Megumi is looking around because, like, this place has been her home for years. And she's like, oh, my gosh. Everything is destroyed. Everyone is dead. Dr. Hoshi is dead. Like, this is... I mean, obviously, this is a tragedy, and she is not dealing with it well. And uh, Red Falcon walks over and says, like, no, don't worry. Dr. Hoshi is alive. So <laughs> everything's cool. And at this point in my notes, it gets a little fuzzy because I can't figure out, does he know that Dr. Hoshi is alive? Because they, I don't believe so. I think it's just a guess that he makes to try to make her feel better. Because they do find him in a minute, like, under some rubble. Right. But they like at first they think that he's dead and then he's alive, but he's very badly injured. So like this was a complete shot in the dark. Like, oh, don't worry, Doctor Hoshi's definitely alive and everything's going to be okay. <laughs> and it's still sort of a strange way to comfort someone because it is. I mean, it is great that your mentor and the principal of Science Island is still alive, mm-hmm. but hundreds conservatively hundreds of her classmates and friends and teachers are still dead there's oh, yeah. still a lot of death here you know it, it's great that the professor survived but that doesn't wipe away your grief right there's still hundreds of other dead people <laughs> yeah you know it's and and that is not including like the spaceship that like the launching spaceship that got shot out of the sky that was going to be like an oh, orbital yeah, station right. that was full of like all of the best and brightest of their generation. I absolutely forgot that that had happened last episode. But yeah, the the attack on this island was kind of like step one was just blowing that that like Noah's Ark of geniuses out of the sky. Yeah, so bad day, but at least Dr. Hoshi is alive. <laughs> he is. It's almost comically as... As uh, uh, Yasuki is saying... Uh, you know, Dr. Hoshi's fine. Like, his hand just emerges from this pile of uh-huh. rubble and sort of waves around. 
He was just waiting for someone to ask about him. Yeah. Like, he was in pain, but he didn't want to bother anyone unless they were already looking for him. He is not only alive, but he is alive with that sense of purpose uh, of someone who just missed dying or knows they are dying soon, right? Like, this man does not have time for chit-chat or nonsense or... Or even like friendly, friendly reunions. He is on a mission from go. Yeah. And and what he says once they once he's sort of coherent is you guys need to go because I built you a secret base and you need to find it. It is in like beyond the island past the lighthouse. Like there is a secret base waiting for you. Yeah. Which yeah, is incredible, because during the entire time that these people have been building their stuff, he has been building them a secret base, and has not been comparing notes with them. No. <laughs> and, and I don't want to tip it, because we're not going to make it into this secret base for a while, but this is a pretty rad secret base. This base looks pretty great. Oh, yeah. This is not just like a treehouse with like, no. He has not know. built a survival bunker or anything. No, he built, like, a full-on Super Sentai headquarters, like, in secret, for basically no reason. Like, these, like, why, there is nothing to be gained by not telling them about this. No, and and he is still cagey when he's explaining it now, so he is, he is injured, but he's not, he is not like suffering a concussion that we can tell or anything like that. There's no yeah. reason like he's not gasping for breath and and trying to string together thoughts that he can barely hold on to. Like he's he's coherent, he's cognizant, he's in control of his faculties and he's still vaguely telling them you need to go to the island beyond the tower of light and yeah. there you need to join your three powers. <laughs> Why are you talking in riddles, man? Oh yeah, he definitely does tell them about combining their powers in a very vague way. Um, <laughs> yeah. So as as this is happening, and they're trying to get him to stand up, because um, you know that's what you do with people who've been trapped under rubble. You try to get them to stand up and walk under their own power. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, just like standard trauma first aid stuff. Yeah. Um, so as they're doing this, Dr. Kemp shows up, and is like, hey, um, well, I see that you're still alive. We can't have that. So he summons... Okay, now now follow me here, because we're going to get a couple of layers deep. Yeah, this is getting a little messy. Dr. Kemp summons the Guardianoid Gush, which is a robot that kind of looks like a prototype of Grey from Jetman. Yeah, you're right. And then the Guardianoid Grush summons a Chaos Phantom. And the yes. Chaos Phantom's name is the brain beast Barabaro Dizuno. So that's a lot of stuff going on right there. <laughs> I, like, yeah. I don't know if in later episodes of this show the Guardianoid Gush is just like the thing they use to summon the Chaos Phantoms. But I do know, here's another needless complication, um... The, the Chaos Phantoms are summoned by the Guardianoid Gush, as I previously mentioned. Guardianoid Gush takes the bad energy of the world and then transforms that into Chaos Energy and then channels that Chaos Energy into summoning the Brain Beasts. 
Yes, that is all accurate. And I'm sure it made perfect sense to all of our listeners. <laughs> yeah, listen, Kem summons the Guardianoid Gush. Guardianoid Gush takes bad energy. He converts it into chaos energy. He uses the chaos energy to summon the brain beasts. I'm sorry, to summon the chaos phantoms. The chaos phantoms are all called brain beasts. And this particular chaos phantom is called the brain beast Barabarabzuno. So we all yes. get it. It's okay. <laughs> I think the... If I'm not mistaken, the the sort of official translation is Zuno Beasts. I looked this up because I was watching some weird bootleg, and it 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 didn't even give me Brain Beast. It gave me some some oh, garbled wow. nonsense that I couldn't make sense of. Uh, I, th- I so I think their Zuno Beasts is the sort of official translation on that, whatever that means. Okay, I'm into that. Uh, so. Following that sort of weird chain of summons, this brain beast is kind of the the monster of the week, right? So we've already got several layers of hierarchy going yeah. on here. There's the like the dread professor bias up at the top. Sure. And then there's the three doctor betrayers. Somewhere around them is this gush guy who may be their equal or their servant or who knows. And he has a power who summons the, like the monster of the weak bad guys. Yeah, and there and are this, also the the standard like foot soldier putties floating around. Yeah, and this monster of the week could not look more generic. Like I guess we, we kind of always get that in the first couple of episodes, right? Except for Die Ranger, which yeah. came right out of the gate with Baron String, which was at least like a defined <laughs> yeah. look. Um, this dude is just like a mess of like spikes and lasers. Like that's all this dude is. <laughs> Yes, he is very much a a kind of late 80s dystopia monster. Um, Dr. Kemp sort of like throws some shade at the R3 heroes. Say like, oh, I'm sorry, you wouldn't understand all this chaos energy stuff. But anyway, now it's time for you to die. <laughs> that is a thing, and I'm curious to know if it persists throughout the season. I sort of hope it does. There's this weird sense of smart science guy ego arguments that undergirds a lot of the conversations. And it's yeah. really fun. Yeah. So it's like, not just, I am stronger and mightier than you. It is also, I'm a, I'm a smarter, a better scientist than you. Yeah. Yeah. Like they also all went to school together. And so are very concerned about who is smarter. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and the, the first guy here, the, 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 Brain beast or Vudo or whatever he is, his 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 power set, so to speak, is mostly just sort of hitting things and shooting lasers, right? Yeah, he seems to be able to like shoot bats out of his shoulders, and those bats are electric, I think. But oh, that's right, that, yeah, they were pretty. It's 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 a pretty base level dude. So there's a couple of tracks going on here but the first thing we get is is a quick kind of battle with that brain beast with a handful of whatever the putties are called i don't remember yeah and um uh red falcon tells the other two like take the doctor get him somewhere safe i'll hold these people off Uh, which it is a terrible job of because he doesn't transform (laughs) (laughs) so he's just trying to punch robots in the face with his soft human hands and, like, getting repelled because they're made out of metal. And he's an idiot. Yep. His version of holding them off is basically just to see how many times he can get hit. 
Which, I mean, I guess it's effective in, in a manner of speaking. Yeah. I mean, it's effective on two levels. One, he does hold them off, and two, he does figure out that he can get hit a lot of times. <laughs> it's very true. We cut so, very abruptly from this fight scene, like so abruptly, to what must be like a ruined medical facility because there is a gurney and an IV drip in there that they're able to use to like try to get the doctor some fluids. Sure. Who knows where they got that drip from? Like what, what is in that bag? I don't know. Just whatever. <laughs> Find some juice, <laughs> put it in. <laughs> right. These are, pe- these are science people. They're not doctors. <laughs> I guess you can be both, but... But you are right. It was a really aggressive cut. So we just leave that battle with Red Falcon getting just blown all to heck. And suddenly everyone's just standing around looking serious and nervous at the doctor. Yeah, and then Red Falcon shows up and he's he has somehow escaped the fight and they have not managed to follow him here. Yeah, he's fine. He just kind of strolls in. Everything's good. Yeah. Um, they are going around and they, is this where they find the pregnant woman? It is just in this ruined medical facility. There's a lady who for a split second, I thought was going to be another ranger because she was dressed monochrome. Mm -hmm. And that's usually an indicator of, oh, okay. okay, So this is probably going to be the yellow ranger. Granted, we already have a yellow ranger, but. Because the thing is, I know there are two more rangers who show up in the show eventually. It's not just these three the whole way through. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of waiting for them to find these other two people in episode two. Because that's yeah, very like lookout. that's how Cocker Ranger worked, right? You usually tack on a couple extra. So uh, one of the things, and this is a, a bunny trail. Bear with me. One of the things that I was not prepared for when my daughter got to watching Dino Supercharge is there's like nine or ten Rangers in that show. It's out of control. Oh, there are so many Rangers in that show, <laughs> and I know you have seen uh, at least a chunk of that because you you talked about it on Ranger Danger. Yeah, and like some of them are time travelers. Yeah, there's but not from the same time periods. <laughs> there's some kind of knight, and also the prince of that knight's kingdom. It's a mess. Uh, but yeah, right now we have three rangers, and like you, I'm kind of on the lookout for who's the next rangers. Like they, they're going to be coming at some point. And for just a second, I thought this this was one. No, this is just like the only other survivor from Science Island. Yeah. So. The the three rangers realize, like, okay, we need to go find, seek the island beyond the lighthouse, right? Uh, right. And, I, and they leave the doctor, who was previous, like, just moments ago on death's door, like, oh, you can take care of this pregnant woman. That's fine. <laughs> yes. Um, and, it, and he does. He, like, gets off the gurney, and they put her on the gurney, and now he is, like, wheeling her to safety <laughs> very slowly. That's exactly right. There's several inserted shots. There's several intercut shots of the doctor just, like, walking down blown-apart hallways, either pushing or dragging this gurney with yeah. him, periodically offering vague, like, semi-reassuring sediments. Yeah. Um, all the while, the live men, who have now finally remembered that they have superhero suits, 
Um, <laughs> they're on a beach and they are fighting um, the the brain beast Battle Battered Zuno. Or whatever it is his actual name is. Um, I don't know if my <laughs> bad I don't know if my bad subtitle bootleg is right or yours is. <laughs> Whichever one it is. Brain Beast works for me. Um There is a cool bit where I think it's Jet Falcon, or I'm sorry, Red Falcon, like takes his sword and cuts the face of one of these robot putties in half vertically and like the face casing falls off. And there's a moving around, like, robot face underneath it. It's very cool. Yeah. So those guys are called Jimmers, apparently. I looked this up. That's that's weird. I know. It sounds like a nickname for, like, your cousin from Mississippi. Yeah. It's Jimmer. (laughs) But they can. Like, one of their deals is, in fact, their head and and limbs operate independently of each other yeah which is something that we also get in o-ranger like those dudes the barra soldiers yeah if you knock off one of their legs that or like one of their arms probably that arm will like continue to crawl towards you so other than that it is a pretty standard sentai fight scene right the the robots are rolling around cannoning things there is a moment uh, before they go all robot on everybody, where they team up for like a three-person like shoulder laser cannon thing. Yeah, so like they don't combine their individual weapons into one big cannon. No. They just summon a giant cannon, which is cool. The but what's yeah. funny is like like we said, this is eighty eight eighty nine, and the 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 practical effects aren't quite. The special effects aren't quite there outside of the practical stuff. Right. And so in just a few years, you get like very good looking lasers. But this year, it's very much like you can tell it's just hand animated kind of yeah. like matte finish lasers like in special <laughs> yeah. effects in the background. Yeah, Which is it's extremely charming. So initially, it looks like that three-person shoulder laser cannon has blown up. What is this? The Phantom? The no. Chaos Phantom Brain Beast? That, yes. For just a minute, it seems like that has ended it. But then that uh, Gardenoid guy. Gar- Garda, Garda guard, Gardi- <laughs> the, the Gardenoid Gush? <laughs> yeah. He shows back up, and it turns out he has yet another, like... Secret special power. Oh, are you referring to the Giga Phantom Cannon? <laughs> yes, I am. Which may be my favorite name to date for the Make My Monster Grow device. Yeah, because it's 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 a laser bazooka that turns a dead monster into a giant <laughs> monster. <laughs> it is. And it's called the Giga Phantom Cannon, which is beautiful. Um. So the, the three... Live men, they're like, well, we still got to fight this stupid giant thing. Um, And they just jump at it with their weapons, (laughs) which is a valiant try. And I always love it when a human-sized person tries to fight a giant-sized monster. But, like, this is not, this is not a good plan. And it does not go well for them. So here, unless I, unless I turned away and missed something, we get another very sharp cut. Mm Mm-hmm. 
because suddenly our rangers are just like scuba-ing their way into a secret base. Yeah, they like they realize they can't defeat the dude. They look over and see the lighthouse, and then we get like a smash cut to them coming up from like an underwater hatch. So they have run away, found scuba gear, like gone <laughs> nope. diving, discovered the secret base, found the hidden entrance, and gotten in all in the course of this one smash cut. Yeah, and the doctor is already there, I think. No, no, the doctor's not there. The doctor oh, never where... gets there. The doctor oh, you're is right. Still he's still in off end. in some abandoned hallway. Yeah, I think he's in a tunnel at this point, which is yeah. which is its own kind of hallway when you think about it. Because it's not the doctor that there that's there. It's this like weirdly sexy red robot android. Yes, her name is either Cologne or Colon. Yep. Uh, which is a weird choice. Um, and <laughs> she, the only way they can, okay. So as you said, she is a like, she's not like sexy, sexy, but like, she's definitely trending towards sexy. Yeah. We're not talking like Blade Runner or Fifth Element or anything here. Right. But it is unlike a lot of the robots in this show it is a very clearly like female human shape with uh form fitting clothing yes and it's vinyl and and part of that like vinyl form fitting clothing is like a white circle over her left breast which yeah. she pops open and pulls out three cd roms so really Oh, and on these CD-ROMs is the hidden software that the professor, or Dr. Hoshi, has been developing that will allow them to combine their giant robots. So, (laughs) A, she's, like, keeping hidden software tucked in her bra, which is weird. Um, And B, somehow Dr. Hoshi has developed this software which will make these three robots, which he did not build. They built the giant robots. He somehow built in, like, a backdoor thing that he could program them into combining. Yeah, it's fantastic. And from what I can tell, that is their, like, super science. Like, they don't have, like, magic crystals that let them combine. They just carry around these CD rhymes. It is right in that era, right, late 80s, where CDs are the new hotness. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, for, I think, for the same reason that... um in like Power Rangers uh, Samurai or wow, what's I watched the entire Samurai season uh, and I Samurai Sentai Shinkenger in Shinkenger the like things that they use to transform are like fancy cell phones right right like that's it just is... the stuff they grab <laughs> it is but CDs are the least durable and sort of worst intermediate step we have had to deal with. I mean, they were my childhood, so I'm cool with CDs. Like, that's how music came. That's how you burned your movies. Oh, yeah. But CDs are actually kind of a garbage media. They're pretty terrible. They're very fragile. They don't last. Even if you take good care of them, they deteriorate way quicker. Oh, yeah. They are very weird. And also, like, I don't know. Did you... Have this experience, Mark. I remember when I was a kid, we had a car, and the car had a tape deck, but did not have a CD player. Yes. And so the way that we got around this, because we wanted to listen to our CDs in the car, is that we got a a disc man. 
It was just like a Walkman, but for desks. <laughs> and then we got one of those um, like uh, tape tape adapters, deck adapters, cassette tape adapter. Yeah. But the problem was, you're in a moving car, and CDs <laughs> are like not a like when you put a CD into your car stereo, it is like stabilized in such a way that everything is okay. When it's just in a disc yep. man. One of the people in that car is on full-time hold-the-discman as still as you possibly yes. can duty. So it's not just skipping and, like, jumping from track to track. Yeah, because it works like a record. I mean, there's not a needle reading it. There's a laser, but it's the same principle. And so a bump absolutely makes that thing skip, especially in the early days of Discman. Towards the latter years, they started developing better, like, anti-skip technology and what have you. But those early years, you really, like, you had to cradle that sucker in your lap like you were holding a baby. Yeah, it was madness. And so I am I kind of have to imagine that this is happening with these CD-ROMs <laughs> as they're trying to install them and, like, run the software. Like, no, we got to, no, don't jostle it. It's got to go. Okay, once we finally run the track, then it's okay. But Yep. And there's also a bank in this very sophisticated base that you have to enter underwater like a beaver dam there's also a bank of like computer monitors that are sort of displaying readouts for these discs and explaining Mm -hmm. to the science kids how to use their new science toys but there are these great again a product of their era there are these great kind of goofy wireframe gridded images yeah they're really beautiful um, and because because I am a kid of that era, I just love that so much. I love that that visual for science in the same way that I like Star Wars still looking weird and lo-fi despite being crazy high tech. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very good. Uh, there's a couple of those like <laughs> 3D laser grids. There's some when the Chaos Phantoms are summoned. Uh, yeah. It's, it's super... We, we, and we're still getting it in O-Ranger. Like, wh- whenever they do their henshin, there's, like, a big green oh, right. laser grid that, like, fits over them. There absolutely is. And that robot, Cologne or Colon, is kind of explaining it to him. And she has, a like, a weirdly lyrical voice. Yeah, sort of like a sing-songy voice. Yeah, and she, like, she's, if you watch her when she moves, she doesn't stand still and kind of herky-jerk her way around like an Alpha 5 or a Marvin the Paranoid Android or, or what have you. Oh, no, she's, she's dancing. Very, yeah, she's dancing all of the time. So she's this weird, like, red robot has this almost musical quality to both her voice and motion. And it's just it's just so different from what I've seen in the Sentai programs that I've watched that it really stood out in a, in a positive way. Yeah, it's, it's kind of this... Oh, by the way, this underwater base, I think it's a giant robot turtle, maybe? Yes, I think that's right, because my brain kept trying to connect it to uh, the Wildcrats, which is a children's program. Oh, I was connecting it to um, oh, uh, Cameo from Die Ranger, a.k.a. Tor the giant um, turtle from Power Rangers. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. I think it's called Grand Tortoise, maybe, or Grand Taurus. I think that is right. It's something like that. I I, kind of missed it as they were saying it, so my notes are a little incomplete. But, yeah, I think that is what it is. My notes call it the Tortuga because, again, I thought it was (laughs) the ship from Wildcrats. Um, 
So, I do also love the idea that there's a robot in a base that can only be accessed underwater. Well, so I don't know if she was built in here or if she was brought in in some airtight ship. But that's a that's a precarious place for a robot. That is. It's like a weird prison that she lives in. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, so at it, some point in here, they were able to get out and get back to their ships or their yes. uh, their robots, which I I don't think as a group I have a code name for, but you know what we're talking about. And, and while that is going on. Good old Doc Hoshi is dying. Oh, yeah. Doc Hoshi gets crushed by rubble. Uh, he, <laughs> yep. he, like, he is able to interpose himself between some falling rubble and the pregnant woman. Yeah, kind of metaphorically transferring his life to the kid. Yeah, like, you must live for the one who is about to be born. One of those moments. It's, yeah, it's, that's it's a sad but very nice moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... They get back to their uh, vehicles. They, you know, there's like a little bit of a fight. One of them, like Jet Falcon does a cool barrel roll thing. Um, and then they combine into, is it just called Live Robo? Yeah. Uh, so the the collective name that you were looking for earlier, I think, is the Moto Machines. Which is pretty okay. fun to say. Uh, so there's Moto Falcon, Moto Lion, and Moto Dolphin. Nice, nice, nice. Uh, and they do combine... Like, first stage combo is just live robo. I believe eventually we will get live boxer and then super live robo. Ooh. <laughs> right now we've just got live robo, which is the falcon, lion, and dolphin motos. Yeah, that's sort of like the vanilla version of, like, still amazing, um, but, you know, not right. their final form. Um, and, of course, as always, got that, got that sword. Yep. As always, it is very fun to see like the first combo the first time they all come together. I don't know why it always looks pretty much the same, but it always gives me a little thrill. And also, it's weird that we're getting this in the second episode. I feel like yeah. in the seasons that we've watched, like it really, it really makes you wait to get that giant robot. But this really hits it quick. It it does. It does. Um, they, they got a couple of moves, they got a robo beam, they got, got just like a flying jumping yep. punch, and then the same way that everything gets killed on a Super Sentai show, they've got a big glowing sword, and it hits it, and it dies. Yep, the Super Beast Sword. Yes, and the attack was the Super Live Crush. Yeah, which is a good name. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so... They just straight up murder this monster, and then we cut away to space where it's the grand evil Professor Bias, and he laughs at the live men and calls them naive, which, like, listen, dude, I get it, you're an evil dude, but there's no one else in the room with you. You could, like, just take the (laughs) L. Like, you had a bad day. (laughs) Um, And then, okay, so we cut back to Earth, right? Yep. And the live men have untransformed... And they're very pleased that they have been able to win. Then they hear a baby crying. Oh, and, yeah. And the camera cuts away to the, the, the previously pregnant woman who is now holding a baby and sort of coming out of a cave. Where she, right. Where like, it was the end of where that tunnel was leading to. Yeah. So what that means is that after Dr. Hoshi died... Not only, like, this woman managed to, like, unassisted give birth 
in like a rubble-filled cave that was collapsing around her and then claw her way to the surface like (laughs) with both her and the baby safe and is now just strolling across the grass. This woman is the most incredible person in this episode and I don't know why she's not on the team. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. That is insane. I mean, that lady has just lost a ton of blood. She shouldn't really be able to sit up or or stand up. Yeah. Let alone, as you say, kind of claw her way out of rubble and and walk carrying her child and looking just fine. Oh, like she like out on a garden stroll. There is absolutely no visual indicator that she just pushed a human baby out of her body. Yeah. Um, so the, the, the three live men look at this and they say, oh, like Dr. Hoshi died, but this woman and this baby are now alive. And we realize now through his sacrifice, the, the value of protecting all human life. Yeah. It's a little bit of a strained analogy to get there. Yeah, but it, it it does give us our episode title, which was Three Forces. Uh, what is it? Three Forces Sworn to Protect Life, something like that. Yes. Uh, that like that yeah, is this three is specifically what that is life. referring to. Right, right. So it is. They have watched their their mentor, uh, their leader, kind of nobly sacrifice himself for the life of another, and they say like, "All right, you know, we were we were." already fighting <laughs> sure but like now like the now we sort of understand the notion of sacrificing yourself for the lives of others and that's what we're going to kind of dedicate ourselves to right this is not uh, just vengeance for when these dudes killed our friends like this is also about <laughs> right life. this is not just proving that we're the smartest science doctor <laughs> um yeah and then it ends with them sort of looking determinedly like out onto the water yeah, yeah, it's a nice ending. Yeah, uh, this was great. It was. I was thinking as I was watching this, I wish we could we could really do this show. And, and you and I are both super busy dudes, and there's no way we would have the time to just dedicate another chunk of our week to doing yet another podcast. Mm-hmm. But I wish we could. This is a fun show. Yeah, I remember when we put the first episode of You Only Live Man twice out, um, like there were a, a couple of people who were very excited because they were like, oh yeah, Live Man is my favorite of the Sentai shows. And I get it. Like if yeah. it's all like this, even if it's all kind of like this, that's great. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, I should take the initiative to just watch it on my own and enjoy it. But at the very least, maybe we'll get to do a few more of these, you know, months down the road. Yeah. Although I will say that right now we've done two episodes of this and we're calling it You Only Live Man Twice. So if we if we never do another one of these specifically, that might be perfect. Well, no, that's a good point. That's a real good point. I don't know. Maybe we can watch Mask Man. (laughs) Mask Man kind of rules. I watched the first one or two episodes of that. I nice. love just going in and watching, like, the first two episodes of a Sentai I don't know anything about. Because they're always, like, <laughs> even if the middle of those seasons are always weird and, like, kind of draggy. Which, you know, happens sometimes in the middle of any show. Um, the sure. first yep. one or two, like, kickoff pilot episodes of every new season of Sentai 
just like goes hard for it like immediately <laughs> yeah yeah it's it uh, listen i'll make this offer to you while we're at it uh, i know you have already spent probably more of your life than you wanted to talking about the christmas special from dino rangers <laughs> But if you ever want to revisit that, for some reason over Christmas, my daughter got it into her head uh, that it was the only thing she was going to watch because she's on a Power Rangers kick and it's Christmas. Sure. So I've probably seen that episode like a dozen times in the last couple <laughs> of weeks. Was this the, the the Dino Charge special or the Super Dino Charge special? It was the Super Dino Charge. Oh, wow, then I haven't seen that one. I think the one that we did was Dino Charge. There are so many Rangers, my friend. Yeah. I know. Anyway, but uh, <laughs> that that is a, perhaps a project for another time. But I think because we're not we're not going to bother putting the uh, the Chaos Phantom Brain Beast Battle Barrow Zuno on the Creature Royale, right? Um, so I think then that is going to do it for us, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's it. Cool. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of You Only Live Man Twice. Before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you all that you can email the show at SuperSentaiBrothers at gmail if you want to get any updates on future episodes or check out the things that we're talking about on Twitter, we are at Super Sentai Bros. If you like the show, please remember that Shining in the Apple Podcasts apps or wherever you find your uh, podcast these days, um, there are five stars. Please rate, review, subscribe there. That's what's going to help new people find the show. Um, the Super Sentai Brothers are produced by, well, produced by Mark um, at the hey. uh, as part of the Retrograde Over Radio. Um, if you would like to listen to any of the other great Retrograde Over Radio shows, uh, such as, yeah, uh, Mount Olympus, the as we like to say, the best Hercules Legendary Journey podcast mm-hmm. on the internet, and probably in the top thirty or so of Cena podcasts. <laughs> um, you can find that and any other Retrograde Orbit Radio show at retrogradeorbitradio.com. I wish that we had not picked such a tongue twister. Every week. <laughs> I, I make it through every week, but I'm always wondering, like, is this the week that I'm just not going to be able to say it? Um, anyway, but I did it. I did it one more week. Um, that is your fault, by the way. Retrograde Orbit comes from you and Dave when we were all like 18 years old. I know, I know. Um, but that's it for this week, guys. Uh, I'm Matt. I'm Mark. And we'll see you next week for the greatest show on Earth. Yeah, you're the man.